Welcome to Memphis Metropolis on WYXR 91.7 FM. I'm your host, Emily Trenum. Memphis Metropolis is all about our city as an urban place, including its neighborhoods, buildings, pathways, and parks, as well as the people who shape it. Join us each week as community leaders and commentators talk with me about our shared built environment. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Memphis Metropolis on WYXR 91.7 FM. I'm Emily Trenum. I'm the Memphis Metropolis host. And this in this, this week, we're actually um, um, I bust out of my busted out of my very shabby home studio, which is <laughs> also known as my laundry room and came up to the Hyde Park neighborhood because this week's show is all about Hyde Park and an organization called Hyde Park Matters. So I'm very excited to be at the Macedonian Missionary Baptist Church in the Hyde Park community. So I'm joined this week by um, Fred Robinson, who's with Hyde Park Matters, and then um, Reverend Melvin Lee, who is the pastor of the church, also involved with Hyde Park Matters. So, um, So thanks for coming on the show. You're welcome. You're welcome. So I want to start out just by talking to each of you briefly. And Fred, maybe we'll start with you about your connection to the neighborhood. Like, it sounds like maybe you grew up here and how long have you lived here? And just, I'm really a big, I'm passionate about neighborhoods and I'd love to hear about people's, you know, where they lived. And so tell me a little bit about your connection to Hyde Park. first, First of all, I guess I don't mean to interrupt you, but Let's tell people where Hyde Park is, first of all. Well, Hyde Park is a small community within the larger Hollywood community. Um, Chelsea is the um, the artery that runs right through the middle of it. And uh, that's Chelsea uh, runs through the middle of the community. And then uh, basically you're looking at Hollywood uh, East, and uh, Evergreen West. So it's, um, and it's in North Memphis, just for people who don't really know the city. There's a lot of, because several North Memphis neighborhoods. So I always thought Chelsea was the Southern boundary, but it's not, you're saying Chelsea runs right through the middle. Yeah, Uh, actually Hubert Street is probably the the, uh, Southern boundary. Okay, and there's not, I don't think there's a Hyde Park, a park called Hyde. So how did the neighborhood get its name? I'm going to be very honest. Um, I think it started out New Chelsea okay. was, was the way that it started out. At least that's the way I, I read the history of it. And uh, um, I, I'm, I'm making a connection that Chelsea, England, Chelsea, Hyde Park, England, um, that's that's the connection I'm making. I'm not certain if that's correct. Oh, so much things in the United States are named after England. Could yes, very well absolutely. be. So, so, so what you're saying is people people aren't really sure. No. Okay. Yeah. So, how long? So, I, before I interrupted you, you were telling me, um, telling us how what your connection is to the Hyde Park community and how long you've lived here. My grandparent moved to Memphis in 1944. And my family has been uh, affiliated with this neighborhood 
um, ever since. Um, I've got um, family members that have been entrepreneurs in the area. I've got um, all, almost all of them graduated from either Hyde Park School, which is no longer there, or Manassas uh, High School. And um, so we've been in the neighborhood forever. I have a 97-year-old aunt who's still here. Um, and uh, we own approximately six or seven houses family. My family owns approximately six or seven uh, houses in the area. Are they adjacent? Are they? Is it no, like, no, no. Is it like a, a compound? No, actually, <laughs> actually uh, three of them are right together, but uh, the rest of them are uh, all over the place. Right, right. Okay. But, and so you live, you live in the community now. Right. No, not right now. No, okay. I do not. Okay. Well, you have a long history here. Yes. What about you, Melvin? Well, I am a native of Orange Mound. All right. Okay. Uh, and most Memphians know uh, a lot about Orange Mound. Um, but my only pastorate is here at Macedonia. I've been here 36 years. Um, and over those 36 years, I've become an honorary citizen of Hyde Park. I see. Uh, because uh, most of the members of my church uh, originally were out of Hyde Park uh, or part of families that grew up in Hyde Park. And the extended families live in other areas, but they go to church here. So were you, um, how did you become affiliated with the church? Were you is this a denomination? I'm sorry, I don't know. I don't know the answer. Is this a denomination where you're assigned or you're called or you're recruited? Um, how did that yeah, happen? The, the Missionary Baptist uh, denomination, uh, there, there are two major, uh, uh, the uh, Progressive Baptist Convention and the National Baptist Convention. When I was uh, not pastoring here, before I was called, I was at... Uh, Olivet Baptist Church with Pastor K.T. Whalem uh, in the Orange Valley area. Which is considerably bigger, I guess. Yes. Um, and, and, and so when I came here, it was the connections that my pastor had with the former pastor that was here uh, and other individuals that were here at uh, Macedonia at the time. And um, another pastor friend who pastored Springdale Baptist Church, Pastor Lee Brown, who is now deceased, but uh, was aware of the need for a pastor here. And uh, there were several recommendations that uh, individuals uh, in the uh, Baptist faith community uh, that recommended uh, the church consider my coming here. And how, <clears throat> how old is the church? The church is over 80 years old. And has it been in this location? Pretty much so. The The original church used to face uh, Griggs Street, which is to our north. Um, uh, yes, to our north. Uh, but it was after some time that the church uh, was moved so that the front of the church was actually on Austin Street. So people, for people that are wondering, the church 
is on Austin Street, yes. really just a couple blocks north of Chelsea. Yes. Okay. So what's, um, what is, I mean, I, I think of Hyde Park as just a very historic neighborhood mm-hmm. and doesn't have the bona fides maybe that Orange Mound is. They're so, you know, proud of their reputation. But what's, what is Hyde Park known for? What's its, what's its, um, why do people say that it was important in Memphis? Well, uh, the best way to answer that question is what it was and what it is, they're, they're not the same. Well, can you talk about that? Okay. What it was was a um, very um, working class neighborhood. Um, and at the time, um, because of um, the, because of the times, um, it was a very uh, for us, by us uh, community. Um, Probably segregation. Yeah. That's exactly what it was. So it, uh, that was the, the that, that defined it at the time. Was it, was it, Chelsea, always, was it always African-American? Yes. I have 85%. Okay. Okay. Chelsea, for example, um, there were all kinds of uh, businesses. People could walk to work. You didn't need transportation to get back and forth. There were banks. There was a bank in the community. All kinds of uh, businesses. Plus, didn't the the streetcar used to run up Chelsea and connect all these neighborhoods? Not a streetcar? I think there was one. This was part of the street. Well, it might have been before your time. But it, you know, I was at one time had a very robust streetcar network, and I think there was a line that came all the way out and, and terminated in Douglas. That's what right. I've always, I don't know if it was on Chelsea, but okay. I think, but it might have been before your time. Okay. <laughs> I'm telling you something. You're telling me something I don't know. All right, good. Okay. I don't remember, there was a, uh, um, I know that there was train tracks uh, through Hyde Park, uh, okay. and there still are, but. I don't remember a... Uh... Well, of course, the heyday of the streetcars was the 1920s. So it could have been, by the time you moved into the neighborhood or your family did, it could have been done. I've just always heard that. Okay. So, but anyway, um, boy, you threw me with that one. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> we know I love to digress. So no, I'm, no, just, that's I'm very interested that's in neighborhood history. I, I don't even remember the question now. No, we're just we're talking about what it was and what it is. Okay. And you were just talking uh, yeah. about what it was. The, the, there were any number of um, businesses in the area, um, and uh, we supported each other. And it was just a um, that old uh, African uh, proverb that says it takes a village to raise a child. Right. That was done here. And um, it was very definitive here. And uh, so a lot of that's changed. And it's changed for one basic reason. Um, it changed because back then, um, most of the homes in the area were owner-occupied. We're about um, almost 60% now. Um, 60% of the people that live here now um, are transient, and uh, that's been kind of the 
the uh, demise of the neighborhood. And our uh, purpose, one of our major purposes, is to try to bring it back to where it was. So, um, so Melvin, what about you? When you started pastoring here, what was, had the decline already started or was it a healthier neighborhood? It was definitely a healthier <clears throat> neighborhood. Uh, the decline may have uh, been at its beginning at that particular point in time, uh, but it was a lot healthier than it is now. Uh, but over the years, uh, people who had uh, roots in Hyde Park have died or and left property to children and others who have uh, not chose to live here. One thing that when you was, Fred was talking that uh, I consider uh, and I'm, I'm beginning to see that that was almost a, a standard in most African-American communities was that people were homeowners or wanted to be homeowners. Uh, and you had uh, carpenters and brick masons and uh, cosmetologists and people like that, that was their uh, quest, uh, was to, to own property and to pass that property on to their children. And so the work ethic was there, uh, the sense of neighborhood was there, uh, but as those people died off, uh, it's almost like we replaced that mindset with a whole different mindset. And now we're trying to um, recapture uh, that sense of, of uh, community oh, ownership. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. Well, the um, and it, I'm guessing um, it had a lot of economic diversity too. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's. I mean, I think there's anything good about segregation, but that was one of the results of it. Is you mm -hmm. had a lot of economic segregation mm -hmm. in neighborhood, yeah. economic inter integration and diversity in neighborhoods. You right. had a doctor and a postal worker and yes. and people worked at the factory all living together. Yeah. And of course now, um, you know, there's there's um, economic segregation with, you know, wealthy right. people living places and then yeah. people who are poor living other places. So the other thing that I was thinking about was that companies like Humco, like International Harvester, like Kimberly Clark Corporation, this is where they found their best workers were in this North Memphis area, uh, and especially Hyde Park is among them. Uh, and, and so, uh, and I know this personally because I worked for Kimberly Clark for 26 years. But so this is where those persons with the unique work ethic uh, who were working to accomplish something uh, to better themselves as well as pass on to their families. Well, and that's a great point because a lot of these major employers really were anchors. I mean, if you go to, you know, New Chicago, mm -hmm. I always call that the urban prairie right. because there's, um, you know, tumbleweeds really mm -hmm. because the those large employers where people walk to work yeah, and, and went to the right. union hall and right. patronized the restaurants and the nightclubs. Yes. Um, when those big employers go away, um, that also deals a blow to... Yeah. yeah, you look at Thomas Street now and there's a lot of empty spaces where 
thriving businesses used to be because of the uh, the way that the communities were thriving. So, um, so I want to talk about Hyde Park Matters, the organi- your organization. But before we do that, so what in terms of, of course, all these neighborhoods have assets. Mm-hmm. And so what are some of the things that the assets in, in Hyde Park, and you could include, I don't know if Hollywood Community Center is mm-hmm. technically in Hyde Park, but I mean, there's a beautiful library and community mm-hmm. center. So what are some of the assets in the neighborhood that people should know about? We have access, which would be a better way of putting it, to um, direct access to Hollywood Community Center. We have um, medical uh, uh, district there on Perez. We have, um, I call them quiet storms, actually. And that's probably not the right term. But what I mean by that is this. We've got areas that have not been identified and um, uh, marketed. And those like Lake Kilowatt, like um, uh, the Plastics Record Company that's right here on uh, Chelsea. Um, You could go, there are just a number of uh, situations like that. Um, We have Gooch Park. Gooch Park is being underutilized. In recent years, uh, they've added uh, the green line in through the area that wasn't there before. Um, I, um, I, I'll be honest, I was not a, a big fan, not because I don't think the need is there, but I think it, uh, we took, we put the cart before the horse. And what I mean by that is this, we uh, have people taking vows and, and, and credits for building um, bike lines through our community where people can't afford to buy a bike. Right. Okay, so in my opinion, we've, uh, we've put the cart before the horse and our focus, Hyde Park Matters focus, is on trying to, to make it a working class neighborhood again and uh, hopefully, um, find um, a way of building the community with the demographic uh, makeup that's here. Yeah, I've definitely heard that about, you know, bike lanes. I mean, I know a little bit about that. And the thing is, you know, when the when there's money to do it, you got to do it then. You know what I mean? You can't, yeah, you can't like when a, when a road gets repaved, if there's, there, if there's right. an extra dollar, you can put a bike lane down and that road's not going to be repaved for 30 years. Mm-hmm. So... Um, but I've definitely heard that, and people or people saying, "Why are we doing this when, when there's so many other needs and opportunities?" Right. So I get that. But well, you were going to say something. Well, about I was it. I was going to say to me one of Hyde Park's greatest assets, and we've said this in other conversations, is its location. Mm-hmm. We have access to the expressway system. We have access uh, to the downtown area. Um, and so we are, in my estimation, primed based on location mm-hmm. uh, to be um, an integral part in what Memphis should look like now and in the future. I, it is very. It is a great location. It's yeah. very convenient to a lot of things. Mm-hmm. I mean, you mentioned sort of the Wolf River. I mean, it's right. yeah, it's a great location. 
so let's talk about Hyde Park Matters. I mean, of course, I love the name of the organization. I like the people being more creative. I had um, I had someone, a guy named Jason Sharif from an organization called Respect the Haven on recently, which is a White <laughs> Haven advocacy organization. Of course, I loved it. It's the same kind of spirit as um, because neighborhood, not every neighborhood gets the same level of respect, investment, consideration. It's just not, it's not equal yes. um, mm-hmm. and equitable. So, so I love the or- the name of the organization because Hyde Park does matter. People need to know about it. Yeah. So tell us, tell me about this, how it got started and, and, and how you came up with the name. I mean, it seems obvious, but I'm sure there was brainstorming involved in, in all of that. Well, I, I'm going to uh, first applaud uh, Reverend Melvin Lee here. When um, the idea was born, he was one of the very first to sign on. And uh, he's been uh, one of the biggest supporters of what we are trying to do. And in fact, uh, he's helped to orchestrate much of our activity and finance it. Um, we, we don't want to leave that one out because it does cost. It does cost to do some things that we do. So, yeah, the, well, yeah. so I really want to make sure that I acknowledge that. And he's not here, but their pastor, uh, Jairus Winfrey from um, Greater, Mount Zion. Greater Mount Zion has also been very instrumental in what we do. And we've uh, recently, uh, we have a Pastor Sweeney from um, Hunter Avenue Baptist Church that's also a part of it. So I just want to uh, give some context here. Our, to, to be honest with you, it actually started um, because approximately eight, nine years ago, um, the neighborhood was going to the dogs, literally. There were stray dogs everywhere. And uh, actually, there was a, a dead dog that laid on the corner of Harmon and Nidra, and it laid there for months. Nobody came and picked it up. So now, uh, just to put that in perspective, that's the area that my 90-plus-year-old aunts lived. And so I started looking into what it was going to take to get that cleaned up. And as I was looking into it, I saw uh, other things that needed to be done. I... um, he and I had a confab, and I started saying, I need you to take a ride with me. He did, and he agreed that we needed to do something. So basically, that's where it started. And, um, and we've uh, since morphed into doing a lot more uh, things in the community. We, I'd like to say that what we do, um, we're a voice for the voiceless. And... Um, that's kind of uh, our um, claim to fame. Well, that's important. I, I want I have some other questions, but before I ask somebody, I just want to um, remind everyone that uh, you're listening to Memphis Metropolis on WYXR 91.7 FM, and we're talking about Hyde Park, the Hyde Park community, and in particular, the Hyde Park Matters organization, which is working to make it better. And my guests are Fred Robinson and Reverend Melvin Lee, who are involved with Hyde Park Matters. 
So the so you drove around and you saw a, a big list of things that needed to be done. Right. And what so what what did you what did you decide to tackle first? Solid waste was at the top of the list. Uh, right here in and just a block away, there was a, a mound of uh, trash that was there for at least three months. And uh, so then we went to find out, whoa, whoa, why is this happening? And we were told at the time um, that 311 was not, uh, I'd, uh, identified, it's not what I'm looking for, was not told that they were, that mound was there. When we checked into it, we found out that just was not uh, uh, true. So, we so in other words, it had been reported yes. to the city through the appropriate channels, but no one had come out yet to, to fix the problem. Well, as it turns out, when we really did look into it, we're not sure that it was even uh, that anybody came out to take a look at it, period. So that's where it started. So then we started to develop a, um, a group of city workers um, and uh, uh, government uh, affiliates. And so now what we have is we have uh, access that we did not have uh, before. Now, let me make sure I'm, uh, I, I want to make sure I say this. And I think uh, Reverend Lee will be in accord. Before Mayor Strickland, we had no access. And since he's been here, at least they come out and they meet with us. Um, we don't always get what we want. But at the end of the day, I think it's fair to say at least we do have uh, people that uh, are uh, listening to us and we are getting a, a number of things done. Well, I feel like this, I mean, I don't live in a blighted neighborhood, but I feel, you know, I've been involved with neighborhoods for more than 20 years and I feel like the systems to address neighborhood concerns have gotten better. I mean, certainly technology, like the through home system, but also I do think elected officials are more responsive. They have to be with social media and um, you can call and pick up the phone and call the TV station. Right. I don't want to say it's just pressure. I think some people are, you know, want to do the right thing. Right. But I do think that um, there's still a long way to go. Don't. We, but, but the, anyway, Melvin, you wanted to add to that, I guess. Well, as you were saying, and you mentioned the TV stations, and, and unfortunately, sometimes there is a hesitancy related to the TV stations uh, because of who you are and what your situation is. And if it's not the hot topic for them at a particular point in time, they won't even return your call when you say, I want to do something or want you to look at something. Even the things that when they start talking about, we always hear the bad news, give us some good news. And we say, okay, we've got some good news we want to share. Mm -hmm. and, and could you send somebody out to, you know, we've had things in Gooch Park and we've had other situations here on the church lot. And no TV station, no nothing, but well, you let somebody 
hold a gun in their hand. I'm shooting. Well, that's my <laughs> totally. So one of so so I was I was um, telling Fred before we started recording that you know this Memphis Metropolis is a volunteer um, project for me. But one of one of my things that I do as a job is I work for High Ground News, mm-hmm. which is a local online publication, and and we focus on. Um, what we call solutions journalism. And part of it is because of this negative media mm-hmm. narrative yeah. um, that's always, it's either the guy with the gun or I always say it's the old man and the puppy. Mm-hmm. There's never, there's like an occasional really good, feel good story yeah. and then bad news. And there's never just a new business opening right. or just regular old good news is not necessarily, um, wouldn't necessarily bring a smile to your face, but it's just economic development. It's yeah. just not, um, yeah, it's a, it's a problem. We, um, we had the mayor here um, two years ago now, I guess. Anyway, and at that time, we did a, a PowerPoint presentation. And that presentation, I, um, I made uh, it clear that you always need to hear both sides of the story. Now, that's... That's a hook of a Phil Collins song, but we were, were when people think of Hyde Park, they're only getting the negative side. Mm-hmm. Okay, there are some good things going on here. Um, um, we had a celebration of life um, where we uh, honored all of the people in the neighborhood that are 80 years old and older. And we actually had 80 people. Wow. More than 80 people. Of course, a lot of these neighborhoods, that's the only people that are left. (laughs) But but that's that's wonderful. And we didn't get them all. What it also did, however, it brought people that were attached to those people. Yep. Because that was... Our book for getting them out. A homecoming kind of thing. Yeah, to say that your parents helped build this community. Right. Why are you helping to tear it down? Yeah, that's that great. kind of a thing, you know. And so, so um, we wanted those people to be honored to the extent that somebody aside from ourselves would say, "That's a powerful thing to do to to honor those people who have uh, gave their lives, if you will." For that community to to still even be an entity and didn't abandon it, right? Yes, right. who stayed exactly. and planted yeah. their flowers right. and <clears throat> watched what was happening on their front porch and yes, yes. And so that's the to to applaud that uh, and to say that if it happened then, it can happen now. Absolutely, definitely, yeah. definitely. Yeah. So, so it sounds like you start with solid waste, and are you have you? Um, you have additional areas that you're working in now besides the solid waste. Hyde Park matters. Yeah, well, we actually, I, I think it's in there. We, um, of course, we're on the radio, so people don't <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, I need it. <laughs> I, I am blind in one eye. <laughs> so I, I almost am myself. So. Anyway, oh gosh, I just lost my train of thought. Um, no, yeah, we uh, we actually um, the ten most egregious uh, 
aspects of what, what uh, solid, not, not solid waste, code enforcement right. uh, is supposed to be working with. The, the, the 10 yes. common code violations. So we actually grade them on on how it's working in Hyde Park. And um, you, grade, you grade the city yes. on how they're doing on each of those 10. There you go. There okay. you go. And, well, what about uh, the ones that are really the owner's responsibility? Like I think one of those 10 is parking your car in on the grass. We cannot, we will not and cannot absolve the city of any responsibility for holding them accountable. Because they need to tag those yeah. and cite now, them. Okay, that makes the sense problem. to me. Here's the problem. The problem is they're doing a great job of tagging them. It's the follow-through where we have the problem. Now, there are areas where the, it's out of the city's hands. Um, the court system is not doing their job. Um, the attorneys aren't doing their job. So if we understand that it's more nuanced than just, you know, uh, talking to somebody and trying to get uh, get it done. But at least, at least, um, we're making it known that, look, this is what's going on. Here's our expectation. You tell me when it can get done. Martin Luther King used to talk about the urgency of now. And that's what we're trying to get um, here in Hyde Park, an urgency of now to take care of these issues. And, um, you know, one thing that we, we really pride ourselves on, you don't see us on TV every night, okay? We're not about applause, we're about the cause. I okay? like that. All right? And we, we're not on TV every night. We're, we don't uh, receive funding from any government source. Um, we actually, everything that we do is strictly volunteer. And we, we try to be more intentional in how we go about getting things done. And we go directly to the people that can do it, as opposed to getting on TV every night, um, bloviating, we, we really do try to go to it. And we, forget, we think that's the best approach. So if you need something from the Parks Division, for example, you just go, go directly to them. And, and, and quite frankly, <coughs> um, I already said it once, we are getting a pretty good response from uh, the heads of departments, and uh, they come out and meet with us uh, periodically. Um, in fact, uh, tomorrow I actually have a meeting with Solid Waste. Well, I think there's, you know, there's so many needs in the community that I do think there's, even though there's more attention in neighborhoods, I definitely, there's definitely this the squeaky wheel rule is yeah. still in yeah. um, still relevant in this day and age. So, so I applaud you for that. You, uh, your, you all's conversation just, just made me think about because um, I was just in a meeting earlier today um, that uh, was relative to financial education for the constituents in not only in the church, but in the community. But your discussion just now, and I don't know if this is a term or not, 
but I wrote down social education, mm. that we need a way, Fred, to engage the community and the people who live in the community in social education. When I was a child, my mother told me, you don't walk across Mr. Smith's grass. You don't throw stuff in Miss Jones' yard. That kind of mindset mm -hmm. was part and parcel of who we were back in the early 60s and the 70s. And so that's one thing I think that is, is not totally missing, but somewhat missing in our society today mm -hmm. is this social education of, of how do, do I respect the property of my neighbor? Mm -hmm. uh, and, and how do I, how can I make the, the relationship of that being my neighbor mm -hmm. a reality that is okay for me and okay for them? And, and I think that, that and I, that's something we're going to tackle some kind of way in some shape, form, or fashion. All right. Well, you know, what I struggle with is is that, um, and I guess it's because, you know, I'm older and have the benefit of, you know, I guess a, a traditional upbringing like mm -hmm. you described right. is um, that's that, to me, things um, seem like they should be common sense. Not not stepping, not walking across Mr. Brown's yard. I, I wouldn't, that's not necessarily common sense. No. But um, but to me, it's common sense. You wouldn't throw litter mm -hmm. on your street. This doesn't seem mm -hmm. like, but it's not. It's People not, have no. to be, you have, I mean, it just seems like common sense because I've, that's what I've, of course you wouldn't throw litter on the street, right? right. But that is, that's something that you're taught. Yeah. Um, and and this makes my brain hurt to think that, but it's something you're taught at an early age that you that you um, you don't you don't litter, yeah. and especially not your own yard. Right. Um, and so I agree with you. It, you know, the three of us sound like a this is like a curmudgeon coffee clutch, I think. <laughs> but um, but it's um, people do need. Um, We've we've lost that over the over the decades. We've we've lost that, and 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 it's a conundrum that we need to find an answer to. Yeah. I agree. I agree with everything you just said. And but I think the um, the one thing we I always go back to is the fact that um, home ownership where people that own those homes actually live in those homes, um, that ends up uh, tackling some of those problems that you just talked about. Yeah. What we're looking at, what we're looking at now, when you're looking at a community that's approximately, I think the last time I looked, 58% of the folk that live in I Park, okay, um, are not homeowners. Um, and they have no relationship to cleaning up somebody's uh, property or not dropping stuff in somebody else's property or not even walking on somebody else's property. I think that that's, uh, that's something, I don't know. The only way to tackle that is to uh, give 
them um, a community where um, adequate uh, new home ownership is available to them. Well, let me ask a question about that. And this is this is a little bit of a hard question, I think. And Melvin, I'll start with you because so. You know, you've been around and um, there's been community development efforts in the neighborhood before. There have been community development corporations and, you know, it's hard to get traction without financial resources mm-hmm. and um, and turning around a homeownership rate. I completely agree. That's like turning around the Titanic. And, and so how do you, um, how do you, What's it going to take for things to be to really turn the corner? I don't, and I don't mean to be discouraging because I, I, no one. I mean, I would love Hyde Park to come back, and I feel like it can. But, um, but it's there's got to be res- financial resources, right? Yes. Yeah. And and that's. That's a conundrum within it. <laughs> right. And I don't mean to bring, I don't mean to be, like, bring up a negative topic. I'm just. No, no, I don't no, know. no, no. But I, I guess it's, it's, it's all in causing people to be considerate of what they do with the resources that they're able to, to, to gain. Okay. Amen. You know, and, 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 and without that education, that's again a part of a meeting that I was in earlier uh, to provide financial awareness to people who have probably good opportunities uh, to become self-sustaining, but they don't have a clue of how to go about doing that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's not something that they teach our kids in school, Mm -hmm. you know, that kind of thing. So, So that becomes a social issue for us in the churches us in other community organizations uh, that. So connecting people to the information they need yes. to become homeowners in the neighborhood, which mm-hmm. they might not know about. Right, right, right. And, 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 and as he was saying those things about home ownership, well, I grew up in an era where living in the projects was of such Mm-hmm. That 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 attitude. You thought those people owned those apartments, but they didn't. Great point. But but it was the way they took care of of that. When when I knew who I was ultimately as a boy, my daddy was renting a four room duplex with a wife and seven children. Mm-hmm. Hello. Mm-hmm. Okay. And ultimately, he he started to buy that whole duplex, knocked a hole in the wall, and then that became our home. Now, people around us had homes. There were some others that lived in duplexes just like we did, but but that was home for us. Mm-hmm. And that same thought of respecting that property and respecting the property of those people around us, you know, was what my mother and my father taught us. Um, but then at the same time, there were nobody, nobody in that community that, that made you feel like because you lived in a duplex, you were not as good as I am. And that's another mindset, I think, that, that has sipped in, seeped into society today. 
that that the only way for me to be successful is to prove that I'm better than you. And 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 that's a misnomer. Yeah. That's a misnomer. That's a race to the bottom. It really, it really is. And and so we've got to change in the midst of everything else that that Fred shares as far as economics are concerned. We still have to do the whole gambit and change people's perspective right. of, of who they are and who the person that they see every day at the grocery store, who that person is also. Okay. The mindset, and I agree with everything you just said, the mindset of a hand up as opposed to a hand out certainly has to change. Um, and that's part of that social a thing that you're talking about. Um, we do a great job, and especially churches, they do a great job of handouts and not a very good job in many cases of a hand up. Um, the one thing that I admire about him, he at least listens to the possibility of a hand up. Well, not I always think, being able to act a lot, on it. A lot of people need both. I yeah, mean, they yeah. do need... Yeah, yeah. You know, assistance with food and whatever, but but I but but I would agree with what you're saying, Melvin. Is that is and maybe you're saying the same thing, Fred. Is that is that people know how to access mm-hmm. a lot of people know how to access the different social programs that are available, right. but they don't have any idea how to buy a house and they right. could or to right. start an IRA right. or something like that. Yeah. That's not as, um, there's not necessarily an 800 number you call for that stuff. No. And that's across the racial divide. I mean, uh, that, that you don't have to be black to not know that. Um, there, there are many people in other neighborhoods that have absolutely no concept of money management. So, and how to access uh, buying homes and what have you. Uh, so that's not new. The thing is, don't you, and the reason why I hearken back to the 58% is because one neighborhood, okay, that has to um, bear the burden of, of all of that, uh, that's why it looks the way it looks in many cases, because the, the guys that uh, own those rental properties, they're not keeping those properties up. Well, and they're not and living then, here most of the time. That's the point. Yeah, that, that is. That's a, well, that's a huge issue. Absolutely. So um, I guess last question. So it's a new year. And so what's, what's your, sounds like you've been in some planning for 2023. So what's on your, what's on your, your plan for the year? Well, I, I talked earlier about, uh, we did, we did a, uh, actually I gave you the 2022 the Dare to Fail. And uh, we have a 2023 that's coming out, should be out in another uh, two or three weeks. And our focus is still gonna remain on the neighborhood cleanup and revitalization. Um, we're going to try to uh, continue to decrease symptoms of blight, poverty, and believe it or not, pandemics as much as we can. Um, and we, we're going to look into more solutions to crime. Um, and uh, we're 
we have plans for a sustained economic uh, development and growth that we're uh, going to uh, be more involved in. But the cleanup is ongoing, um, and uh, that's where we will hang our hat until we can get some of the other things in, uh, in place. So the so before we started recording the show, we were talking about um, Kilowatt Lake. Mm-hmm. So so Kilowatt Lake is adjacent to Hyde Park, I guess. Tell people what it is. It's very. It's a it's a large lake, but it's not a recreational facility. Well, and that therein lies the problem. So Lake Kilowatt, the area around Lake Kilowatt, what kind of a has the whitest lake anyway. <laughs> not very inviting. <laughs> lake Kilowatt actually has the whitest sand in in the mid south area. Number one, number two, um, it it buttresses um, the. Um, Plastic Records Company, um, which in the 50s, they used to do 65,000 of the little 45 records they used to. So is the Plastic Records Company still the thing? No, no, unfortunately. But it it is a, um, um, it has one of the green uh, markers as a historic site here in Memphis. uh, now I, I forgot the question, but well, we're you not, asked well, me Well, what is that about Kilowatt Lake? Because, you know, home. I drive up and down Chelsea all the time, and can you go to, can you drive up to the shore? Actually, Kilowatt? no, you can't, unfortunately, because um, I don't remember the name of the company off the top of my head, but there's a company that actually uh, owns the property right there, and they've got a fence that uh, they will not allow you to go down there anymore. And you said when you were a kid, there were boat races? Boat races. And uh, we used to sit up on the levee, and we could look down and, uh, and, watch, uh, and watch the boat races. But they can't do that anymore because so, nobody's so doing it. So what are the streets that are bordering that area? McLean Street is the street that would take you in. Uh, and that would be the only street that would access because when I was a kid, that was the levee, and they they only cut uh, they cut McLean in. I'm not certain of the exact year. Um, so it terminated. Didn't go as far ter- north yeah. as it does uh, now. Uh, 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 McLean used to terminate at Chelsea. Chelsea. Okay. okay. It did. Okay. And so there was the levee took you from uh, Chelsea to Jane uh, Avenue, but now uh, they. You know, McLean goes all the way through. Okay. Well, I guess we went off on a tangent, but I've always been inter- curious about Kilowatt Lake because it's so big. As you said, one of the biggest lakes in Memphis. And I guess it was just created for industrial uses. It was. A new, the new Chelsea, and there's still businesses around it. And uh, um, you can't get down to it. That was the question. Um, you cannot get down to it anymore because... The company uh, has put up fencing that it will not allow it. All right. I'm interested in that. I love the idea of bringing it back in some form for community use. Right. Now, economic, it has economic possibilities that um, we define in our Lake Kilowatt uh, proposal. Um, I will make sure that I include you 
in the uh, new proposal that we're doing. I'd love to see that. Okay. Even if it was just for light recreation, people could go and have picnics or... Um... Originally, when we originally made the, made the suggestion, we were talking about a water theme park. Oh, all right. I love that idea. Okay. Okay. But the, we couldn't get traction there. We haven't given that up, but we thought if we could get the first step, okay, and... Fred, and you're thinking big here. You, you, you got to. Yes. Of course. Absolutely. No, I love that idea. So, Melon, any last reflections about Hyde Park Matters and the work that it's doing in your neighborhood? Well, I think the work is super important. It is extremely needed. And my commitment, and I believe the church's commitment uh, to continue in this vein, um, is ongoing. And, and um, I think that uh, there's a mindset because of what we know about where the community has been that we would like to see that uh, kind of development take place um, to the extent that um, maybe if not us, grandchildren, whomever grandchildren of those in the, the churches uh, would be able to to realize uh, a viable, uh, not necessarily self-sustaining community, but a community that, that adds quality to the city of mm. That's That's a powerful vision. Mm. So you've been listening to Memphis Metropolis on WYXR at 91.7 FM. And we're at Macedonia Missionary Baptist Church in Hyde Park. And I've been talking about Hyde Park and the Hyde Park Matters organization, Fred Robinson and Reverend Melvin Lee, who are involved with that. So, gentlemen, thank you so much for coming on the program. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you for having us. You've been listening to Memphis Metropolis on WYXR. 91.7 FM. I'm Emily Trenum. Memphis Metropolis airs every Monday at 1, so please tune in again next week. You can listen to past programs on our program page at wyxr.org or on memphismetropolis.com. You can also follow us and send feedback on social media. Now, stay tuned for Memphis Undercover with Nancy.